Grace Covenant family, as we take our Bibles and open them up to the book of Jude, the book right before Revelation in the Bible, we're going to spend a few moments right now finishing up the sermon from May the 24th and May the 31st. Now, on May the 31st, we gathered on-site, outdoors again. We were so thrilled to be able to do that. And we gathered online but we had some technical challenges with that and were unable to have a consistent stream. Uh, we had some glorious singing. You're going to have to forgive me. Normally, I'm able to look at camera the whole time, to look at you the whole time. I may not be able to do that this time. I've got notes spread around here because I wanted to get this teaching to you in time. Uh, we sang, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We also sang, You Are My All in All, Shep Thiel read the scripture for us from Jude 17 through 23. And then at the close of the service, we sang, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It was a very um, apropos song for us to sing in light of the text, Staying True to the Gospel, Jude 17 through 23. If you've got your Bibles there, I thought I would take a moment and teach this by video uh, in its entirety so you'd have it. Only about two-thirds of the sermon we're able to upload to our Facebook Live stream and then the church stream. That's why I'm doing this, so that it's a complete teaching for the body. Jude 17 through 23, let's read the passage again. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Having, I'm sorry, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So I just want to remind you of a couple things as we piggyback on the previous week's text. Uh, we don't drift toward success. We don't autopilot toward truth. This morning we're picking up part two of our passage in Jude, and we're asking God to use His Word to equip us, to give us a tactical response that we might avoid stumbling and stay true to the gospel. Now remember, while Jude is contending for lots of false teaching and problems here, he's mainly dealing with Gnostics. The onslaught of Gnosticism has reared its ugly head, and it's present in the church today. Gnosticism in its infancy really elevated knowledge above everything else, um, divorced from morality. So you can uh, arrive somewhere mentally with your knowledge, and you're kind of above the law, uh, certainly above God's law. It created an arrogance toward unenlightened church leaders and an interest in angelology, divisiveness, lasciviousness, all these things were fruits of Gnosticism. Today, what does Gnosticism look like? It breeds its head in our churches today by people who think they can be, quote, Christians without living for Christ, or people who are want to be biblical Christians without knowing the Bible. It's kind of a, an oxymoron. So there were three exhortations here in this passage of Jude 17 through 23 under stay true to the gospel. The first was remember. Remember the teachings that you've learned. Remember the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said about the last times, about scoffers. Now these scoffers were specifically scoffing at the return of Christ. We'll come back to that in just a moment. 
uh, and certainly that has ramped up uh, not only in recent days but in our lifetimes. Remember what you've learned, which would be implicit that we would learn some things. The second exhortation is to keep, keep yourselves in the love of God. We said we keep ourselves by building, praying, and waiting. That's right in the text. It's in the grammar. The last thing is rescue or have mercy. So we uh, remember, we keep, we rescue. We, we made it through remember in week one and the first level of keep, which was building. But let's look back. What do we remember? We remember the Word of God. We remember their forces against the church. We remember the fruits of false teaching. We remember that we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. Uh, the devil uh, roars like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We wrestle against principalities, against the rulers of darkness of this age. What we're seeing unravel all around us. We're crying out for peace. We even prayed for peace as we gathered on that May 31st thing. But I would say we prayed for peace with an asterisk. We prayed for uh, peaceful gatherings. There can be no peace on earth until the Prince of Peace comes back and sets all things right. And, and we don't know that if we don't spend time in the Word. We've got to remember the Apostles' teaching that this thing is unraveling. Man is not basically good. <laughs> Man is corrupt and given the first opportunity, will rebel against a holy God. Secondly, we keep ourselves in the love of God. This has nothing to do with staying saved. This has to do with, um, the old timers used to say, getting under the spout where the glory comes out. I love that. I can picture the sawdust and, and tent now. We may have here on the property at some point soon. Um, believers keep themselves in the love of God by doing three things, by building, praying, and waiting. Now, you do more than that. We're just looking at the text here. Building. We build ourselves up. We build one another up in our most holy faith, the Bible says. How do we do that? With God's Word. Scripture teaches us that. I launched a, a YouTube uh, little series, uh, just simple Bible teaching. It's not anything complex or, or profound necessarily, but how to go deeper, how to up your game in your Bible reading and Bible retention. Well, the first thing you have to do is hear God's Word, and then you read, study, memorize, and meditate. We talk about that. That launches on Tuesdays. Check it out at gracecovenantcharlotte.com. But we build ourselves up in the faith with the Word of faith from God. We build ourselves up with good preaching and teaching from God's Word. We build ourselves up with the church. So the question becomes, am I building? Am I stalled? Am I tearing down? Uh, you're, you're doing one of the three. We continue looking at this element of keeping ourselves in the love of God this morning or today by building, by praying. So we build and we pray. The text says in Jude 20, take your Bibles, look at it there, Jude 20. Um, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not... Uh, the charismata. This is not the speaking in tongues that's mentioned in other places of the apostolic signs and wonders that were described in the establishing of the church. But this is praying out of heart. It, and I'm not, I'm not taking a theological position on that, although I'm happy to. I, I'm just telling you that that's not this word. This is not speaking of that. This is talking about praying out of hearts and souls that are indwelt, illuminated, and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, or even Spurgeon would say the Holy Ghost. King James rendered it that way in some passages. 
Now, Romans 8 tells us the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let's be real. There are times that we kneel in prayer and we're not at our best. We're not ready to fight all that hell could throw at us. In our weakness, when we are struggling, the Spirit takes our prayers. The Bible says, when we don't know how to pray what we ought, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit can take what we pray and make it what it ought to be as it reaches the throne. Now, He won't take our selfish stuff and clean it up. That's for us to do. This keeps us from praying selfishly. I'm going to give you some help on how to pray in the Spirit. But He'll take those sincere, Jesus-focused, kingdom-advancing, but I'm too weak to probably get all the words right prayers and make them what they ought to be. I'm encouraged by that. When I read the Puritans' prayers or I read some church fathers' prayers or some incredible women of God who have uh, written out their hearts before the Lord in prayer, I go, oh, I'd like to pray like that. And I may have in a sentence or two one time in my life. But uh, the Holy Spirit takes the verbose, and the uh, succinct prayers and makes them what they ought to be. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So, so here's some of what it looks like to pray in the Spirit. We pray specifically. We pray always and in all ways. We pray alertly and we pray for one another. It's studying God's Word. It's seeking the mind of God. It's advancing the kingdom of God. It's focusing on the Son of God. That's what enables us and sets us up to pray in the Spirit. That keeps us from praying selfishly. It keeps us from praying with bad theology. It keeps us with praying from superstition or even a little stition. And it helps us pray the right things in the right way. Notice the contrast here. If you go back and look at Jude, and I encourage you to read Jude a lot, but go back and read Jude. The ungodly are showing their contempt, their venom of their hearts by mourning and complaining, while the righteous are manifesting this new life, this new principle within them by praying in the Holy Ghost. Spurgeon said that. It's a great quote, an assessment on looking at the contrast. So let's do a little self-inventory here, a little observation, a little interpretation, a little application. You ready? Am I showing the venom in my heart by constantly mourning and complaining? Do I bleed on social media every time I have the chance? Does everybody, uh, do people hesitate to ask me how I'm doing because I'm about to, you know, unload on them and vent with which Proverbs warns against? Or do I go to God in prayer? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. While the wicked grow yet more wicked, let us become more holy, as the Bible commands, more prayerful, more devout, crying out with Joshua, let others do as they will, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a powerful, powerful moment here. Now, Piper wrote years ago on pursuing the Holy Spirit and reminds us that we're to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit indirectly. We pursue the Holy Spirit indirectly. He's a person. We don't want to ignore him. I'm not suggesting that or forget about him. But we must look to the wonder of Christ. He says, if we look away from Jesus and seek the Spirit and his power directly, we will end up in the mire of our own subjective emotions. The Spirit does not reveal Himself. The Spirit reveals Christ. 
And the fullness of the Spirit is the fullness He gives as we gaze on Christ. The power of the Spirit is the power we feel in the presence of Christ. The joy of the Spirit is the joy we feel from the promises of Jesus. So we stay focused on Jesus and let the person of the Holy Spirit fill us to overflowing. If you're struggling with your prayer life, if it's grown stagnant, I want to help you with that. You can take and pray the Psalms. Take your Bible. Uh, today's June the 1st when I'm recording this. So you would take your Bible and open it up to Psalms 1, the first Psalm. You read that Psalm and you see if there's a connection with maybe a life event or maybe there's conviction for something going on in your own heart. If there is, boom, right there. You just turn that Psalm into a prayer. Incorporate other things you can pray for to advance the Lord's kingdom. I recommend to you praying the, the Bible, praying the scripture, praying the word of God, praying the psalm by Donald Whitney. I'll get you a, a better link up uh, in the notes here, but I, I just highly commend that to you. It had a profound impact on my life. I still go to that method quite often, but essentially if you pass Psalm 1, you're like, that's a great psalm. It's the word of God, but man, nothing's, nothing's connecting there. Then you add 30. Psalm 31, do the same thing. Psalm 61, Psalm 91. See what I'm doing? Psalm 121. You're going to read five psalms a day. You should read them all, even if you get kind of ready to, you get lit up in that first psalm. Read all five, but then figure out how to pray. Turn that into a prayer. Talk to God. Use the psalmist language. Use the word of God to talk to God. Boy, that'll put you further down the road of what it means to pray in the Spirit. So much more on that. You can find out about that. Use the link uh, that's here in the notes. So we talked about praying. We talked about uh, building. Uh, this is how we keep ourselves in the love of God or stay under that spout. Finally, we talk about waiting. In Jude 21, what does the Bible say? Jude, verse 21, the Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. What are you waiting on? Well, as the church of the living God, as the church of Jesus Christ, as people who live by the book and want to get into the Word so the Word can get into them, when people say, what are you waiting on? What are you looking for? We're looking for the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. In the context of this letter that Jude is writing, he's dealing with scoffers, yes, Gnostics, but scoffers that are scoffing because this church actually believes that Jesus Christ is coming back. Can I just remind you, church, family, even in light of all that's going on, our hope is not in answered prayer. Our hope is not in racial reconciliation. Our hope is not in peace and every piece of uh, weaponry being laid down. Those things, people will find another way to rebel against God and to desecrate the image that was created in the image of God. Our hope is in Christ alone, and we as the church have a living hope, a blessed hope, that not only is it in Christ, but it's in a soon returning victorious king. Remember, he's coming at an hour in which we think not. And I don't know where you land specifically. We've got people in our church family that, that believe, well, if you're a member of Grace Covenant, as a covenant member, we confess in a creedal confession, essentially, that we believe, part of our covenant, that Christ is returning. Now, we make an adamant and specific confession about that. And yet we have folks in our body that, that might see this part of uh, his return playing out this way and this part playing out this way. We, we agree that Christ is coming back and he's coming back for the bride. This word waiting here means looking expectantly for the blessed hope, the return of Christ for his church. 
Uh, this will be the consuming evidence of God's mercy. Uh, Jude added that it will bring you to eternal life. That is to enjoy never-ending life in God's presence. Remember the words of Titus? You're probably already there in your mind. The grace, it's the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the Gospels embedded there, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Second Peter 3, 11 mirrors that text. My question to you is, are you waiting on Jesus? Not as an escape to get you out of here, but for the king returning. Are we working like we're waiting on Jesus? Are we waiting in such a way that it has any impact on our daily life. Oh, friend, don't get so consumed with the things of this life that it causes you to miss real life in Christ. Oh, friends, don't be blinded by false promises of hope in this life, which are temporary at best. Keep your hope anchored in the hope that never fails. Remember, hope has a name. His name is Jesus Christ. So we've seen this in our principles here from Jude, in our commands here from Jude. We've seen it. We've, we've seen to remember. We've seen to keep. And now we look at this final one, rescue, be a rescuer. Our final verses here, verses 22 and 23, the word of God says, And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy uh, with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. We're to have mercy even on Christians who are doubting and are confused. First Thessalonians 5 tells us we are exhorted, brethren, to warn those that are unruly, to comfort the feeble-minded, and to support the weak, and be patient toward all men. Areas right there, that ought to be a life verse for me, because first of all, I am feeble-minded and weak, and, <laughs> and probably demand a lot of patience from others as they follow me around, and I can be unruly, I guess. But my point is, I struggle with being patient sometimes with those. And, and maybe I'm the only one, but here's a command. And the Holy Spirit can help us do that. It was Vance Havner that says, everything the Bible says we ought to do, we can do. With obedience and the help of the Holy Spirit. So we have mercy on Christians who are doubting. Don't throw them under the bus. Come alongside them. Disciple them. We get involved. We save others, even those closest to hell. Look at the text. It says, saving others by snatching them out of the fire. There's some right in the throes of false teaching that we need to go and rescue. There's some right in the throes of deception that have been deceived by the enemy that we need to get close to the fire and rescue. Fanny Crosby would write these words many years ago, down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, Feelings lie buried that grace can restore, touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness. Chords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. So we have mercy on those that are doubting. We save others, even those closest to hell. Well, God does the saving, but we get involved in the rescue. Finally, we show mercy, this is a tough one, even to the corrupt but we stay on guard against corruption. Remember, it's the fool that has said in his heart, there is no God. And they are corrupt, not just mistaken, 
not just misguided. The Bible says they are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. They do no good. The Lord looks down to see if anybody understands, to see if anybody's seeking after God, the psalmist says in Psalm 14, and finds no one doing good. We can't seek the Lord until he does a work in our hearts to draw us to him. Another translation renders this uh, passage this way. Show compassion. Have a loving heart toward those people who are uncertain about what they believe. Rescue others by snatching them from the fire of judgment. And there are other people to whom you must be kind, but at the same time be cautious. You must hate their very clothes as if their sinful lusts have made their garments filthy. I'm convinced that we won't be a rescuer if we think too highly of ourselves as Romans 12, Romans 12 warns us. What's the encouragement here from the text? And there is great encouragement. The main thought would be this. You don't have to stumble. <laughs> you can stay true to the gospel. Uh, the Bible says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God has given us everything we need to do what we ought to do. We're called to remember what we've learned. We're called to keep ourselves in the love of God, stay under the spout by building one another up in our most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, not praying selfishly or asking amiss, as James would say, so it doesn't even mean anything or is consumed in our own selfish desires. No, by waiting for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by being involved in the rescue mission. You'll fill your mind with scripture. You can keep yourself from stumbling, I believe, if you'll fill your mind with scripture so that you remember the word of God. If you'll keep yourself identified and walking in the love of God instead of the lust of the flesh. You build up your most holy faith instead of stalling out and undermining it. You pray in the Holy Spirit more than you complain and grumble. You live like you're expecting Christ's return, recognizing that this is not all there is we live with eternity in view. And finally, we're a rescuer to Christians who are confused, to lost men and women who are perishing, and to the corrupt without being corrupted. Remember, you exist for his pleasure. You were made for his glory. You were saved for the sake of his name. You were called to take his name to the nations. You have been bought with a price. Now look unto him, the Lord. Now unto him, the Bible says, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I give the final invitation to you this way from the words of Ravi Zacharias, which blessed me. The Christian faith simply stated, reminds us that our fundamental problem is not moral. Rather, our fundamental problem is spiritual. It's not just that we are immoral, but that a moral life alone cannot bridge what separates us from God. Herein lies the cardinal difference between the moralizing religions and Jesus' offer to us. Jesus does not offer to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. What a great quote from our brother who's now with Jesus, Ravi Zacharias. In this age of subjectivity, we can be known for standing wisely and compassionately for biblical truth by showing mercy, by taking care in this world that we do so with fear, 
by seeking the glory of the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that quote from Liana Davis in her study on Jude called Keeping the Faith. God bless you today. May the Lord be with you as you stay true to the gospel.